Warning, this episode contains adult language and content. They say the pen is mightier, but in whose hands? So we'll pit two stories head to head and find out which one lands. All three sham writers haven't read a lot, so your sham host will find a famous plot. From books and films and TV shows, they'll make a pitch, then off you go to write what you don't know. Sham Fiction, the show where two writers cross pens in a duel to write what they don't know. Now, here's your host, Marcus Mann. Thank you for that introduction. I will return it in kind. First off, I would like to introduce writer and excellent name-haver, Andrew <laughs> Neal. <laughs> hey, thanks, pal. I, I, I would personally say that I have a pretty plain-ass name. Some might, someone might even call it basic. A basic bitch of a name, you might say. <laughs> and I have many times. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here with my yeah. favorite basic bitch. Hey, thanks. To hear some stories. Well, to pitch a story, and then I hear a story back. But I hear two stories back because it's not just your basic. <gasps> it's also basic... Bearded edition, Eric Carlson. Hey, that's me, Eric Carlson, coming to you live from Minneapolis, Minnesota, where there are 480,000 other Eric Carlsons. How's hey, it going? That is true. Scandinavian names. How you doing? Yeah. And there ain't nothing basic about that beard, because it's a good that, one. Thank you. It's that, that was fabulous. the plus. Yeah. Basic plus beard. You <laughs> oh, shave there we it. Go. I like you shave it. it and it'll just be you know, basic. You know, Marcus, I got to point out, you're, you're getting pretty bearded yourself. It's true. I am. I don't know how it happened. Like, I, I used to be the bearded one, and now I'm just the slightly more bearded one. Yeah. It's true. I, I just, uh, there was this time, I'm trying to, like, date back to when this beard happened. I remember I was much shorter, and my voice yeah. was a lot higher. Yeah. And then some changes started happening in my body. That'll happen. And then, boom, beard. You know, I I feel like we should ask Mr. Wizard about this, but I would fear that Mr. Wizard wouldn't be available for our podcast last minute. You know, I think that's the only reason that we can't get Mr. Wizard on, because it was Mm -hmm. too late of an invite. Too late, yeah. Just did not get the notice required to book such a talent as Mr. Wizard. Is anybody anybody out in the audience not getting this with me? (laughs) If, if, if you aren't, if you're with me, please write in at contact.shamfiction.com because I'm lost. At who the F is Mr. Wizard? You know what? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I don't want you to explain it. Please proceed. Continuing. Continuing. Fair enough. Listeners, Google, if you're driving, wait till you can stop or it's a particularly long stoplight and you feel rather risky, then Google it. Uh... You'll be just like Andrew Neal after this podcast immediately. Anyway, (laughs) off to a rollicking start. Talking about wizards is perfect because we are writing, as you know from our show notes, the latest, grainiest, grainiest, graininest, (laughs) (laughs) graveliest show. Oh, Oh. uh, excuse me. (laughs) 
somebody oh. say gravel? I, I yeah. did. I did indeed. Gravel I man, love I when you, you say gravel because it means I can appear in this show. <laughs> because if you do not say the magic word gravel, I cease to exist. <laughs> wow, that's... That's that's something special. It's bleak. He's just an inanimate <laughs> pile of rocks until yeah, someone says gravel. You give me life. I had no idea that it was that morbid. <laughs> that's crazy. So he's just lying dormant and just like maybe in a coma in between it's these? just void pain and agony. That's all it is <laughs> in between utterances of the word gravel. It makes you feel really bad that we didn't invite him into any of the indie game pods. That's <laughs> uh Real shame. Hey, I, I will point out, I did, I did show up in the Firewatch episode. Oh, that's right. He, he did. He did indeed. Because really as did. we pointed cool. out, there's a lot of gravel outside. There is. <laughs> true. Which is where that game takes place. Outside. Out of doors. And bringing it back around, this show also is going to have a lot of gravel in it. <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so as the commercials for the show told us, we went to the future with Futurama, we saw the present with The Simpsons, and now the obvious third choice is going into the past for Disenchantment. <laughs> the new Netflix original series, because everyone's on Netflix now. Mm. Created it by Matt Groening, he of Simpsons fame and Futurama fame. Hold on, An- Andrew. Andrew. Yeah. Do you, Do you remember Flickster? Yes. Uh. Well, see. Flickster, why, why Why do you uh, bring this up? Uh, because I, I, you asked what what Netflix is. No, I didn't. And so. <laughs> yes, I, and Andrew. <laughs> say, well, Eric. What? What's Netflix? <laughs> Ah, never mind. Just move along. <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. Uh, Google it when you're at a red light, or maybe a long yellow. <laughs> Use it as an excuse to conscientiously break and try to start to you're just, speed you're just through. Sitting, sitting idle at a long yellow light. Everyone you know, behind you. You very can either angry. try to rush through, uh-huh. and you're risking pedestrian <laughs> and motor vehicle safety, or you can be polite. You can slow to a stop. And look up Flickster on your phone. That's all I'm like, saying. Those are your two options. I like the idea of Marcus getting really excited when he sees a yellow light. And, like, as he is slowing down, he's getting that phone out at the same time. Like, wasting no time. Whatcha? Googling Mr. Wizard and or Netflix slash Flickster. That's, you know, that's, uh, that's what we do here out in Seattle in the Emerald City. Ah. Uh. It's a pretty exciting place. Developed <laughs> by Matt Groening and Josh Weinstein. He from also Simpsons fame. Um, and it has an episode written by David X. Cohen, who wrote Futurama. He's a producer on it. There are lots of other producers, but I just love David X. Cohen, so I'm giving him a particular shout-out. Heck yeah. Not uh, to be confused with the other David Cohen. Not to be confused with the other David Cohen. Don't even think about it. David X. Cohen all the way. So this show, it's it's new, you know. Sometimes when okay, you start a show, on. it's not the same show that it is later. So I'm liking the show. It's got some real funny in it. I'm excited to see your funny takes on it. But I think it's growing as it's going along. And they uh, split it up into two 10-episode batches for the first season. The first part is already live as of this recording. And part two will probably be out around when you're listening to this. 
or maybe a little bit after. So you got time to catch up. You can stream it. You can binge it. You can ladle it out like so much soup. Ugh. You can... <laughs> those are the two options. Creamy. You yeah. binge or you ladle. Look at us, like, tackling something timely. Yeah. That's pretty, you know, that's pretty great. Good good work, Marcus. Good choosing. Thank you. I mean, we'll, we'll just put this episode in cold storage until season three of Disenchantment is out. And then <laughs> yeah, we'll see as, really as, timely. As per our usual form, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm really excited to talk about this one, and I appreciate you guys waiting to watch it. I know you are both fans of the graining work, uh, which makes this pitch and your subsequent stories all the more fun because I think you'll get to just stretch some muscles that you haven't stretched on this show in a while. Just the kooky kind of parody, uh, fun cartoon, do whatever you want. You'll really enjoy it. It sounds fun. Yeah. It'll be fun. Lots of gravel. Yeah. 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 Gravel. 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 Gravel's good. Yeah. What are you talking about? Gravel. You know, he's just not, he's not chiming in. I don't know what the deal oh, is. Oh, he's yeah. asleep. He took, he, he fell asleep. He was very sleepy. <laughs> we can hear him snore. Taking, listen, taking listen. A, if you listen, you can a hear gravel him snore. <laughs> yeah, it's quite terrible. It's gravel nap. Yeah. It's pretty bad. You can, Eric, Eric, I know he's, he's there next to you. Would you mute his mic? It's pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. I'm going to, I'm going to just creep away from him a little bit so we don't have to hear that anymore. All right. Well, now that we don't have to hear that sweet, sweet gravel snores, uh, let us move on to our favorite eight minutes of the show. Specifically timed to eight minutes, because if you did even a second more than eight, the amount of fun would be too much. Too much. For human comprehension. So exactly eight. It's for your safety, listeners. (laughs) Safety. For your own good. All right. Get that time on the clock, our British friend. Pitch session. Eight minutes on the clock. Three, two, one, let's jam. All right, everybody, we're talking about disenchantment, which takes place in some long-forgotten age in the magical realm of shitty dreamland. <laughs> it's it's just called Dreamland, but I'm saving okay. some time by telling you how shitty it is. Okay. It's your, your standard... Clash of serfs and nobility, where it's really good to be the king and it's really bad to be everyone else. Cool city, think like King's Landing, big Game of Thrones style design, bunch of little huts and peasants, and there's a cool waterfall coming down from the castle. That's where most of disenchantment takes place in this land of Dreamland and the nearby villages and forests and places for adventures on the sea. So you've got lots of opportunities for medieval fantasy settings. And we are following, like I said, it's good to be the king. We're going to follow someone in the royal family. The show stars Abby Jacobson, who you might know from that show that she's in. What show is the Disenchantment? (laughs) That's the one. Circular. Circular. Uh, you know, it, it may be a Comedy Central oh, show. Oh, Abby Jacobson, Broad City. Sorry. Yeah, uh, you got it. Took Broad me a second. City. I had to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was on the tip of my tongue, too. It's very good. Sure, whatever, uh, Eric. She, all right, guys. <laughs> settle. <laughs> got a lot to get through in eight minutes. We don't. Uh, so, Abby Jacobson <laughs> plays Princess Tia Beanie, 
or <laughs> Bean, as she goes by, who is the hard-drinking, hard-loving uh, princess of the realm. She does not really care for being a princess, likes to just walk around in a tunic and trousers, likes to do all sorts of things that are inappropriate for young princesses or people of royal birth, and is constantly ditching the suitors that her father has summoned for her, much like Jasmine, but with more say. swearing and drinking. Does she, have, does she have a tiger? She does not have a tiger, but she <gasps> does have a couple of companions. First of all, we have her own personal demon, Lucy, <laughs> who is Aww. tied to her. This uh, little black demon about the size of a cat. They pretend that he's a talking cat because apparently that's a normal thing to hide the fact that he's a demon. Uh, he walks on his hind legs, which I think are just his legs because he's not actually a cat. Has a forked tail. You know, the whole thing. And he is hysterical. He's constantly encouraging her to do the bad, bad thing. He's like the bad angel on her shoulder. And just, you know, much like Bender bending Rodriguez likes having a good time. And isn't as much evil as is enjoying the less savory sides of life. Okay, so people can see him. Yes, people can see him. Okay. And he has some magical powers, of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, at one point, he starts making out with someone's shadow while they're at a party. <laughs> it's just, just, <laughs> just good. It's good. Uh, Lucy's a little mysterious. So as I said in the in the uh, first few episodes here, Princess Tiabini Bean is dodging these suitors who are brought to marry her. And she's actually engaged to be wed, of all things, that you could be engaged to be. And one of the presents that she opens up ahead of time is this tiny little box that has Lucy in it, the demon. And he oh. just pops out and says, ha ha ha, I'm bound to you forever now. And starts oh. trying to turn her to evil. And throughout the series, we occasionally get cutaways to these two evil wizards, or some such, we don't know what they are, who are watching the whole proceedings in the flames and marking, uh, remarking on the remaining. progress. Ah, remarking on the progress that Lucy has had in turning Bean evil. So we don't know what their nefarious plot is. That's something I should point out now that is different from The Simpsons. And, you know, we see a little bit of it in Futurama, but this whole series is a serial. So ah. the episodes kind of flow into one another, and there's a sense of change and progress as it continues on. Uh, mm. You still get plenty of fun standalone, and it's not very plot-heavy, but there are some overarching things that are going on throughout. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so also joining Bean is Elfo, who is a hysterical little character as well. Elfo is an elf. As you may have guessed from his name, Elfo. Very, cre very creative name. A very creative name. When we're introduced to Elfo, he's in the <laughs> candy forest far away from humankind. They haven't seen humans in thousands of years or left their village. Uh, but Elfo just does not like this whole singing while you work and making candy sort of thing. He wants to feel all the bad emotions. He wants to be miserable. <laughs> he just He's had enough. He wants to be a dentist. You know, he could... Dentistry would be very painful at that point. It kind of goes against the whole candy theme. So he goes out. He says, I'm done with this. He runs away and starts just loving up life. He runs across a war uh, between the gnomes and the giants. And he's just trying to introduce himself to everyone because, ooh, new friends. Uh, very funny. But he ends up 
at the castle with Bean and instantly falls for her. As he puts it, he likes big girls. Uh, so he's a little green elf who's got like Bart Simpson uh, blue shorts and a red tunic and a yep. big little elf hat. Uh, so that's that's Elfo. The unrequited love aspect of it is does he skateboard? an amusing part. He does not skateboard, nor does he instruct remaining. anyone to eat his shorts, man. Dang it. Uh, and it's great seeing the fun between Elfo and Lucy because Elfo is just so positive and Lucy loves encouraging Elfo to do bad things as well. Uh, and Elfo will sometimes go along because it allows him to be closer to Bean. Hmm. So, speaking of Bean, other characters in her orbit, we have her father, King Zog, who's huh. played by John DiMaggio. Hey! And, yeah, he's, you know, just your standard fat old king. Uh, mustachioed. He is constantly frustrated and being undermined by those around him and throws people out trapdoors and kills them and all that sort oh, yeah, of stuff all that, that you do when you're king. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, he's trying to squeeze the blood out of Elfo using his <laughs> sorcerer sorcero. Uh, Sorcerio, Sor- sorry. Okay, Sorcerio. Yeah, I like Sorcerio. these names. Yeah. I was like, it's Elfo and Sorcero. It's very know. on the nose. It's great. Name uh, or something. Because he's obsessed with the elixir of life, which you can maybe make out of Elfo. One blood. minute remaining. Ah. Uh, so he's always working on that. Bean's real mother is dead and gone. She misses her sincerely and doesn't really know what to do with her life so she's always trying to figure that out she's been replaced by her uh creature of a queen mother uh queen una the stepmother who is zog's second wife and does all sorts of weird stuff like scuttles around can turn her head around her skin's blue she's got a tongue (laughs) that just flicks out she loves getting high on snake root (laughs) what uh and of course you got a herald who makes all the news announcements the big thing, though, when you're writing this is think about all the Simpsons-y kind of stuff. you got visual gags, so lots of funny signs that you see. They're selling children at one point in the Little Orphan Annex. Uh, <laughs> it's just comedy. Comedy gold. Uh, you have anachronistic jokes, so, like, things that look like today, but they're done in medieval style. Yeah. Like the police horse has a... We don't know what it has. You don't know what the police horse has. We'd have to we'd have to ask in the Q and A if we wanted yeah. to know what the police horse has. You got it. Or can I guess it? And you can totally guess it. Fine. You, can, you each get one guess. Okay. The police horse has. I'm gonna guess it's something that turns red and blue. It's gonna be like a paddle on its head. It's close. Paddle Eric, do you have a better head. guess? I'm going to say there is some kind of elf or gnome perched on his head that just screams, Wii U, Wii U, Wii U. Oh, see, that's good, too. <laughs> now I don't even want to tell you. Okay, then don't. Because I just want you to have that kind of creativity. Yeah. So I think we should move into our Q&As because I can't wait to see what cues you want me to A. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I love. There was no other way to say that. I like yeah. and them cues. That, that's asking in this case versus answering. <laughs> You're a and a cue for me to a. Ask you, and answer respectively. You got it, M. Got yeah, it. Confusing. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Let us hop oh. right into this. Uh, I know how much Andrew likes ANQ, so we will let him go first this time. Oh, hey. Let's get our two minutes on the clock. Two-minute Q&A begin. Okay, so 
Is there any, uh, does, does, uh, Bean have any wants in life? What does she want to do? Or is she just out on Bender trying to live her own life and separate herself from being royalty? That's pretty much it. She doesn't know what she wants to do. She's, I think, 19 and just trying to figure out what her life actually means. Uh, she misses her mother and misses that kind of guidance. She really is just kind of chasing boys and being frustrated that people don't want to do anything with her because she's the king's daughter. It's uh, kind of a theme throughout some of the early episodes. What sort of antagonists have we do you see on the show other than the lead characters? Uh, at one point, she gets involved with a group of uh, thieves, you know, falls in with the wrong crowd. You have an evil witch in one episode. You have other kingdoms, Vikings, that kind of thing. So this is like pretty much anything is on the table fantasy-wise. Oh, absolutely. Just go wild. And they make those references, too. Okay. Okay. Um, Man. This is so... There's so much you can do with something like this that it's really hard to ask questions about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't... <laughs> I don't... I don't just, have many things to ask. Uh, just make it fun. You know, make it zany. Yeah. 30 like, seconds Like remaining. a cartoon can only be. Uh, yeah. I, I know you're writing prose, but I want to have those visual gags. I want to oh, have... Yeah. The, 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 the jokes and yeah it's just got to be joke heavy it's just got to yeah. be as as many funny bits as possible packed yeah. into this yeah if it's if it's anything like futurama um yeah no i totally am wasting this time because you're I, absolutely I, wasting it I, I you're have. so entitled like a princess yeah because i'm like time's up yeah whatever timer i don't care uh, doesn't even care i didn't need it anyway <laughs> all right well, I'll send you back into the great wild, hopefully to find your own elf friend. And we'll bring Eric on for his two minutes of A and some Q's. A Q. That's what we're going to do. But, That's you know, how it works. In the other order, you know, with the yep. Q first and then the A. Well, it's, if the A is answer, if the A is ask, it, it's an AQA sandwich. What if oh. it's Andrew? Andrew, leave. I'm going to Andrew some questions. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to Andrew some questions, and then you're going to Andrew those questions. That sounds fair. I like this. All right. Well, Andrew, you can leave because we've got questions to Andrew. Okay, bye. Two-minute Q&A begin. Okay, 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 okay. So who is being betrothed to? She's betrothed to a really dumb princess from another, or prince from another tribe oh. in the first episode. Uh, who gets maybe dead. I don't think he's actually died yet, but he uh, tries to pick up the ring that she throws at him and gets impaled on a sword that's on the Iron Throne. Oh, my. So he's just lying there with a sword through his head for the next several episodes, and I don't think they've made it clear whether or not he's died. Okay, so the plot doesn't necessarily... Uh, 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 it's it's not about Bean trying to get out of this arrangement, well, because it's, basically... it's, it's a serial, so that's the first yeah. couple episodes. You have another okay. suitor, his brother, after that. Okay, but, so it's a series of suitors. But they give up after that. Like, the, the series continues on with the narrative after they haven't found a suitor for her for a while. Okay, gotcha. So, um, is this like... Um, it sounds like they're kind of centered around home base, this castle, this palace. Yeah. Um, so there's no, like, big quest where they have to go fetch something, or is it just kind of episode to episode? It's been episode way. to episode so far. Uh, I'm about halfway through the show, 
Mm-hmm. And I think there may be a big quest coming, but mm-hmm. they haven't done a multi-episode quest yet. Okay. Um, the elf there blood's any... the biggest thing. Elf blood is the big thing because squeeze it out and it makes some kind of stuff. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, seconds remaining. 30 seconds. Uh, is this show foul-mouthed a lot of fuck words or no? No, not, not a lot of that. Uh, they you know give the semblance of cursing i don't remember if they've ever actually sworn in it uh-huh. but it feels like they're swearing okay you is know, there like, something they would say instead of the f word i don't think that they have substitutes but it just that's the attitude that you get out of being you, you feel okay. like if, if she was allowed to swear Time's she'd be swearing up. all the time okay so you're welcome to make it as filthy as you like oh good just enjoy the fan fictionness of it can oh, make sure. the TVMA version of this. Gotcha. You know, this seems like it's it's like rife for, um, you know, parody of other fantasy things that I love. So this sounds like a lot of fun and I'm excited. And it's like pure comedy. So oh, I can please. be silly and weird. And this is totally up my alley. Yep. The one that makes me laugh the most will most likely win. <gasps> good so. tip. That's a good tip right there. Mm, I'm going to take that tip. I'm going to take that tip that you just gave me and I'm going to put it in my pocket except it's not my pocket it's a pouch filled with other tips because this is a fantasy world and in the fantasy world it's before pockets were invented and all pockets were on the outside and they were called pouches i'm gonna go and but wait before you go i want you to explain in excruciating detail the exchange rates of various tips and how it conflates with the economy of multiple lands that are next to each other you know that's what i love about fantasy because my name is patrick rothfuss and never mind (laughs) all right all right i gotta go travelers later after these announcements hello sham nation we hope you're enjoying the show while the guys are off writing i wanted to get real with you in a way that only a recorded ad can get real. If you like our show, please hop on your favorite iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It really helps us get the word out there to more people. If you love the show and want to help us produce it, hop on coffee.com slash shamfiction. That's ko-fi.com slash shamfiction. And send us some money, love. If not, we won't tell anyone. Thanks for your support. If you want to get in touch with us, send us an email, contact at shamfiction.com, twitter.com slash shamfiction, Instagram is a shamfiction thing, I think it's instagram.com slash shamfiction, you get the idea, we want to hear from you. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, travelers, to the magical dreamland. How has your sojourn into the forest been? Woof. Oh woof! It was it was. Whoa, something. Eric! Did you Hi. turn into a dog on yeah, our magical woof. journey? Woof! I'm a dog now. Woof. Well, I mean, I mean, none of the other. Just woof. woof. You've really picked up on that dog accent or uh, dialect, I should say. Woof. It's yet another character in our sham fiction stable. Dog Eric. <laughs> this IP is available for licensing. <laughs> woof. typical dog eric uh it's classic i can't wait to see how he and gravel man get along woof uh how did your writing go mr neil 
Oh, it went a-okay, you know? It was a beautiful place, Dreamland. Also a terrible place, but as so many places are, there's, you know, a little bit of both. Um, but it was fun. I enjoyed myself. All right. Well, let's see if we enjoy you, if you should have enjoyed yourself. <laughs> you telling me That's... I should have enjoyed myself? Well, I did, so I, You know, there. I guess, I don't know. Do you have to... Do we have to enjoy your writing if you were to enjoy writing it? You could have more fun writing something terrible. I don't know. Hey, listen. What's your steez, man? No, let's let's break this down. So, uh, I think, you know, as a writer, I think it would be great if you just enjoy the process of writing, no matter what the quality of it is. So, you know, that sounds great if I were to just, you know, be writing away plucking them keys and just having the time of my life without a care in the world as to the quality rather than being very self-conscious of myself uh, as I'm typing and making it very difficult to do so. I, I do like that. Your, your writing is bad, but you should not feel bad. It's exactly. Good. It's, uh, there you go. Let we myself off the hook a little just bit. just feel awful all the time. That's not, Woof. not the way it oh, should be. Oh, it's true. Oh, Woof, dog, guys. Woof, guys. Woof. Ooh, yeah. yeah. That's a hearty wolf, uh, woof agreement. Woof. Hashtag am writing. All right. <laughs> Let us get started <laughs> with our first reading. I am going to go ahead and give Eric a little extra time to de-woof himself, and we'll start off with Andrew. Oh, woof. yeah. Oh, hey, thanks. I, he seems to agree. Um, all right. Let's do this thing. This is Andrew Neal's sham fiction of disenchantment. Hear ye, hear ye! At the behest of his royal majesty, King Zog, I, Don Crier, appointed town crier and star of the hit serialized <laughs> stage production, Two and a Halved Man, will be the official announcer for this event. I bid you welcome to the great Dreamland Baking Tourney. The winner of today's competition will be inducted as personal baker to his majesty, the king, which is, obviously, the highest honor any of you simple bakers could ever hope to attain. As Don Cryer continued to wax on about the insignificance of bakers, Elfo hung on each and every effortlessly shouted word from behind his baking station. He restlessly shifted his weight back and forth, jingling the little bells on his shoes with each movement. His tummy bubbled with anxiety. Bean took notice of his fidgeting. Remind me why you're putting yourself through this? The princess was disguised as a commoner man to avoid detection. As royalty, her helping Elfo would not have been allowed. And, more importantly, she didn't want anyone to see her baking. Your Majesty, oh, I mean Bean, I cannot continue to live off you and your family's generosity for nothing in return. I must learn to live in this human world as humans do, miserably toiling for long hours each day in exchange for <laughs> modest shelter and meager rations without recognition nor reward. <laughs> Bean rolled her eyes and chuckled. Elfo's heart fluttered like a sugar moth's wings. Even in her disguise, Elfo found Bean to be the most beautiful human woman he'd seen since coming to Dreamland. Whether or not romance ever blossomed between them, he cherished her friendship. She was there, after all, despite clearly not wanting to be. From the dais before them, Don Cryer finally reached the moment they'd been waiting for. 
You have four hours. On your marks, get set, bake! (laughs) Underneath the impressive, expansive royal tent, one dozen bakers got to work, the highest position in their trade on the line, as well as their lives. (laughs) You see, the only judge in the great dreamland baking tourney was his royal majesty King Zog himself. And if the king didn't like your bake, he'd put you to death, like most things he didn't like. The mortal stakes were definitely on Elfo's mind, but his inherent skills as a baker were undeniable. Back in the candy forest where he was from, everyone knew how to bake. The elves would harvest the sweets around them to create towering confections that would have certainly kept them far away from an executioner's blade. However, in Dreamland, Elfo didn't have access to the usual ingredients. There were no lemon drop bushes to pick or custard canaries to catch and throttle. You'd have to get creative. <laughs> Don Cryer approached Elfo's station. And here we have Elfo, our most minuscule contestant. Don Cryer's words carried clearly throughout the tent. What are you baking for his majesty, Elfo? Oh, um, um yes, uh, it's a tiered lemon lime, uh candy cake with alternating lemon curd and vanilla custard. It will be layered with candied lemon and lime wedges as well. Don Cryer arched an eyebrow. Sounds a tad sweet. You know his majesty's palate is as ruthlessly sharp as his high inquisitor's torture knives. (laughs) Elfo shivered and nodded and Don Cryer drifted off casually to threaten the next contestant. Bean looked up from the bowl of cake batter she was stirring just as Elfo's knees were about to buckle. She quickly reached out a steadying hand to keep the elf from falling off the stool he stood upon. Easy, Elfo. That dude's just trying to get in your head. Elfo felt a strengthening warmth from Bean's touch. Yes. Yes, of course. Also, my dad has no sense of taste. I think his taste buds have completely worn off from years of drinking fermented dragon's lymph. He'll probably just choose someone at random. (laughs) Bean went back to stirring, confident that she'd put her friend at ease, and unaware of the amount of effort it took Elfo not to urinate himself in fear. He had suddenly realized that his talent and years of experience did not matter. This baking competition could easily become a suicide mission. Elfo and Bean barely finished the cake in time. It turned out their baking station included the oldest oven under the tent, meaning it took a lot of coaxing and prodding to get the elderly little dragon inside the oven to heat it. <laughs> the aging oven dragon hadn't expected, had expected his long-overdue demise to finally come before this blasted competition, but it hadn't. He had spent most of his 375-year life inside that oven, he warbled, (laughs) slaving away over countless breads, cakes, and tarts. Hadn't he suffered enough? Hadn't he earned his endless rest? Unbeknownst (laughs) to him, death would elude him for another 30 years and hundreds of more bakes. As Elfo perched the last candied lime wedge between two perfect dollops of piped buttercream, Lucy suddenly appeared in a puff of black smoke. Elfo squealed and nearly fell onto the masterfully decorated cake. Bean caught him by the scruff of the neck, saving the cake. As luck would have it, elves had a surprising excess of neck skin. (laughs) Where have you been? 
Bean asked the demon, adding sarcastically, Thanks for helping Elfo, by the way. Oh, but that's exactly what I've been doing. Lucy's sharp, yellowing teeth flashed a garish smile in contrast to the rest of his jet blackness. Bean cocked her head. What have you been doing? Lucy shrugged nonchalantly. Helping? Indeed, he had, in Lucy's own way. He'd swapped in some special ingredients at a few baker's stations. Rather than powdered <laughs> sugar, one baker covered her cake in invisibility powder and completely lost track of where it had gone. Another <laughs> baker added that he believed, or added what he believed to be poppy seeds to his cake, but they turned out to be explosive pellets which ignited inside the oven. The little dragon inside had narrowly escaped alive, much to his regret. <laughs> In his most heinous move, Lucy had charmed the organs in one baker's sweet bread pie back to life, thus creating an <laughs> abominable living pie creature. Kill me! The thing banged in a wet, heavy croak. The frightened baker had been forced to bring a cleaver down upon his creation, and then guards ushered him away to Sorcerio's chambers to be questioned. <laughs> The nine remaining bakers brought their far less monstrous creations up to the dais, where the king's table was set. Before his majesty appeared, a royal taster entered the tent. The man sheepishly approached the first bake, taking the smallest of bites under the scrutiny of two guards. After swallowing, which he dreaded every time, the taster waited about a minute before moving on to the next bake. After taking a bite of the third bake, a scrummy-looking mixed berry tart, <laughs> about 30 seconds passed, and then the taster began to violently convulse and foam at the mouth. Guards immediately closed in on the baker of the tarts and led her away at spear point as she repeatedly screamed colorful twists on Death to Zog. The two guards who accompanied the taster dragged his body out of the tent and re-entered with a replacement taster. This same cycle repeated two more times, before a fourth taster finally reached Elfo's cake, which was the last one to taste. Only three assassins this time, Bean said, seeming some <laughs> impressed. I think that's the least there's ever been at one of these. <laughs> Unless someone slipped a little something in yours, Lucy added slyly. Elfo's face drained of color. <laughs> I didn't, he squeaked. Lucy just laughed and playfully nudged the elf. When the taster took a bite of Elfo's cake, the man's face immediately twisted up in a grimace. At the sight of this, Elfo buried his face in his hands, and Bean flashed an accusing glance at Lucy, who threw up his arms. I didn't do anything. Up at the king's table, a guard leaned in near the taster. What's wrong? The taster let out a, dis a disgusted groan. Huh, way too sweet. Elfo gasped. Oh no, even worse! <laughs> the bean punched Elfo in the arm. I thought you said you were going to go light on the sweetening. I did, Elfo cried. I used half the sugar I normally do. I don't know what... Oh, no. Elfo cut himself off. He did know what was wrong. Well, what happened? Bean insisted. Elfo hated seeing her disappointment. He sighed in defeat. I'm an elf. All I eat are sweets. <laughs> I must have built up a tolerance, Bean finished. Her expression <laughs> lightened. Just then, Don Cryer's crystal clear voice filled the tent. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to his royal majesty, King Zog. 
being watched as her father's substantial bulk lum- lumbered into the tent. <laughs> all right, all right, Zog muttered impatiently. Let's get this crap over with. He quickly <laughs> went down the line of bakes on the table, taking a generous forkful of each and reacting immediately. Shit. Shit. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Shit. Fine. Ugh. Definitely kill whoever made this one. Ugh, this one too. He then reacted, or he then reached the final cake, Elfo's cake, and took a bite. His eyes went wide. Holy shit. Elfo quaked in fear at the king's reaction. Sure of what was about to happen, he wished he could use these final, precious moments to savor having his head attached to his neck, but he was far too panicked. (laughs) However, King Zog's holy shit reaction wasn't born of anger nor disgust, but of surprise. For the first time in at least seven years, King Zog tasted something. It was sweet (laughs) and citrusy and creamy, and as he would put later, de-goddamn-licious. He couldn't believe it. The dragon lymph hadn't fully disintegrated his tongue. This one, he yelled, pointing enthusiastically at Elfo's cake. This one wins. Bean grabbed Elfo by the shoulders and shook him as everyone in the tent began to cheer and applaud. I was right. The old man has terrible taste. You did it, Elfo. You did it. (laughs) In that moment, Elfo was completely overstimulated and unable to entirely comprehend what was happening to him. What he did know was that he wasn't going to die. He knew that by looking at the beaming face of the woman he loved just inches from his own. And right there, right then, that was enough. The end. <laughs> Woof. Woof is right. <laughs> uh, I am so excited to hear the all-wolf rendition of Eric's story now. Thank you for that, Andrew. We'll uh, save the commentary for after our second story has been storied out. So, please, Mr. Carlson, when you are ready, woof it away. I am ready. I will woof it right now. Here is Eric Carlson's disenchantment. Barkeep, ail me, Bean grunted as she sidled up to the stone bar top, eyeing the other patrons of the puckered arse. (laughs) It was a light crowd that night, a pair of dirty farmers staring blankly at their tankards at a nearby table, a large man in heavily pockmarked armor at the far end of the bar trying his best to ignore Elfo's high-pitched brand of conviviality, and a trio of strange companions in matching green capes, two tall hot ones and a short bearded one, sitting in a circle near the great hearth. She took a seat on a stool, chagrined to note that the haggard and severely bandaged barkeep was still absently wiping down the pebbled surface of the bar with a dirty rag as if he hadn't heard her order. Stab him a little, urged Lucy, the small demon <laughs> sitting comfortably atop the bar as if lounging on a cushioned bar on a cushioned love seat. Bean ignored him and raised her voice to the barman. Hey, you got rocks in your ears? She shouted, earning a slack-jawed double-take from the blood-stained man behind the bar. Ale, she repeated. You want ale? He asked stupidly. Here, I should warn you, traveler, that... He began, but Bean cut him off. Now, she said in a dangerous rasp. Oh, you could totally stab that guy if he doesn't give you ale, Lucy suggested amiably. 
The man's eyes went wide for a moment, but he dutifully turned to the large cask and began filling a glass tankard with a rattling stream of ale. Once full, he slid it down the bar and into Bean's waiting hand. She eyed it suspiciously. What is this, gravel? She asked, <laughs> peering at the mug filled with a questionable mix of dirt, sand, and pebbles. She took a cautious sip, confirming that it was indeed gravel, and spat it out onto the bar. Ugh, your ale sucks, man! Offensive gesture, that, making you drink gravel, said Lucy calmly. Maybe you should stab him. <laughs> <laughs> Please, not again, the barkeep quivered, uh, eyeing the sword on Bean's back and gesturing at the blood-stained linen wrapping his torso. Uh, I'm running out of clean bandages. Explain, <laughs> growled Bean, lifting the tankard to her lips and taking another drink. It's not my fault, the barkeep said frantically. All my ale barrels turned to gravel. One minute, it was delicious ale. The next minute, less delicious gravel. <laughs> it's true, interjected a voice from behind Bean. She turned to the table nearby to see a mustachioed farmer glaring at her over his tankard. All of our fields was ready for harvest. Then something begraveled our entire crop. <laughs> Same thing happened to my horse. And my husband. <laughs> One of the tall, green-clad patrons looked up from his pipeweed and said, Same thing happened to my sword. And my bow, sang his tall, blonde companion. <laughs> and my axe, growled their short, bearded friend. They all held their useless gravel weapons before them. What, did this town piss off a gravel witch or something? Lucy asked Bean. Yeah, nodded Bean, considering... <laughs> Maybe we should get out of here before Elfo turns into gravel, too. She threw her head back and slammed the rest of her grav ale, then stood to leave. As she turned towards the door, however, Elfo's high-pitched voice stopped Bean in her tracks. That's a neat trick, turning all my money into gravel. The small elf squealed. Can you teach me how to do that? Bean spun on the spot to see Elfo standing up on a bar stool, staring at a small pile of stones on the bar next to the hulking gray man that he had been chatting with since they arrived. With the start, however, Bean realized that the man wasn't actually a man at all. What she had mistaken for a rusted and crumpled set of heavy gray armor was in fact a pockmarked hide of sand, dirt, and pebbles. It became immediately clear to Bean that what she was looking at was a man composed entirely of living gravel. In a thick, crunchy voice, the gravel man replied, Oh, sure, it's really easy. It turned its huge, pebbly face towards the bartender and said, Oh, hello, barman. May I have another pint of delicious gravel? The barkeep quickly complied, poured another tankard of gravel, and walked it over to the gravel man. Just as he set it down to the bar, however, the gravel man reached out a long, stony arm and touched his hand. In an eye blink, he was silently and completely transformed into a barkeeper-shaped statue. Before Bean could even react to this display of gravelly transfiguration, though, the statue succumbed to gravity and crumbled into a dusty pile of pebbles on the floor. Bean gasped. Elfo laughed and laughed. That is a neat trick, Lucy cooed, a tone of deep respect in his voice. 
He scurried across the bar over to Elfo and the gravel man and reached out a hand to the thing. Hi, I'm Lucy, he said. <laughs> Big fan, are you a demon too? Lucy, no, Bean shouted, instinctively drawing the sword from her back. But it was too late. Before Bean could leap forward to protect her friend, the gravel man was shaking Lucy's hand and saying, Nice to meet you, talking cat. <laughs> I like the way everything you touch becomes a lifeless pile of rocks, crooned Lucy, <laughs> still inexplicably alive. Huh. Bean grunted to herself as she lowered her sword, surprised but not shocked that her little demon didn't succumb to the monster's gravel magic. The rest of the tavern's patrons continued to stare impotently into the depths of their mugs, as if ignoring the monster in their midst would make it go away. Elfo pulled a candy cane out of his pocket and started poking it repeatedly, a look of concentration, then frustration, flashing across his face. The gravel man watched this, then chuckled and said, You do not yet have the power, small annoying one. First, you need this. It reached towards its waist and drew a blade. Unlike the weapons possessed by the green-hooded warriors, the gravel man's large knife was shiny and metallic, intricately decorated and perfectly polished. Bean saw what was afoot and, there, and was there in an instant, putting her own sword between the knife and her friend. As soon as the two blades connected, however, Bean knew she was screwed. Her sword was instantly transformed into a length of dull gravel, just like the hot ranger's sword. <laughs> uh, nuts, she groaned. Rikes! Be careful, princess! Yelped the gravel man, harmlessly setting his blade down on the bar for Elfo to take. Huh? She said lamely. Whoa, thanks! Enthused Elfo, reaching out and grabbing the weapon greedily. He held it up in his hand, admired it for a moment, and then an instant later, Elfo too had been transformed into a statue of gravel. Monster! Bean shouted, swinging her gravelly sword at the gravel man, shattering the blade in a shower of flying pebbles across its broad back. She ducked backwards and drew the belt knife from her waist, readying herself for another attack. Rude! Huffed the monster. <laughs> I feel funny, Elfo said happily looking down at his body and inspecting his gravelly new form. Bl Bean blinked in confusion, hesitating. Why wasn't Elfo crumbling into a dead pile of rocks like the barkeep had? The elf reached down and touched his wooden bar stool, transforming it into gravel, which caused him to laugh riotously. He jumped <laughs> down off the gravel stool and ran over to the table of farmers, touching the mustachioed man's leg, unceremoniously disintegrating him into a mound of lifeless rubble. Bye-bye, <laughs> laughed Elfo. <laughs> hey, shouted Lucy, that's awesome. Let me try. In a flash, the little demon had leapt from the bar and tackled the gravel elf. No, it's mine, screamed Elfo. Sharing is caring. Lucy retorted, <laughs> snatching the knife away from him and holding it triumphantly aloft. Hey, what gives? asked Lucy. Why aren't I rocks? He began banging it repeatedly against the ground, trying to get it to work. Be nice to the gravel glaive. That's my <laughs> only one, shouted the gravel man. Don't break it, shouted the gravel elf diving for Lucy's legs and earning a surprised yelp from the demon, who instinctively swung the gravel glaive downwards and into Elfo's back. 
No! shouted Bean, rushing forward and lifting Lucy bodily into the air in order to get him away from the elf, but it was too late. Elfo had been straight up stabbed in the back. <laughs> well, it was bound to happen eventually, thought Bean. Then, with a poof, the gravel covering Elfo's body suddenly and unexpectedly slid off his small form, revealing the pristine and apparently unharmed elf beneath. Whoa! ejaculated Elfo as he lay on the tavern floor. You killed me! <laughs> nah, you're all right, said Lucy, still holding the gravel glaive from within Bean's grip. Okay, wait, said Bean, bringing the demon down to face level, but not letting him go just yet. Holding the knife turns you into a gravel monster, but getting stabbed with it turns you back into a person? Didn't work on me, Lucy pointed out. Well, you're not a person, replied Bean. Yeah, I guess, agreed the demon. The gravel man hoisted himself from his bar stool and stomped over to Bean and Lucy, still hovering over Elfo's unharmed form. Okay, give it back before you break it, he said, <laughs> clearly frustrated with the whole situation. Okay, said Bean amiably. Instead of complying, however, she swung her arm forward, wielding the demon like a weapon, thrusting Lucy towards the gravel man, earning a surprised yelp from both of them. Lucy could do nothing but put the gravel glaive up in front of his face. With a crunch, the magical weapon struck the creature, stabbing into its stony flesh like a hot knife through butter. Oof, grunted the gravel man. With a thud, it fell backwards onto the floor next to Elfo, and all of the gravel exploded from him, revealing a perfectly normal but rather naked man in the monster's place. There was silence in the bar for a long moment, then... She did it, shouted the remaining farmer, hopping to her feet. She rid us of the monster and saved our village. Oh, thank gravel, said the man. That was the gravel man. I've been under that curse for years, ever since that gravel witch gave that gravel glaive to me. She wanted to marry a prince, and I spurned her. Wait, said Bean again, still holding the demon, holding the knife to the man's chest. <laughs> Are you saying that you're a prince? Yes, and you're a princess, said the man happily. Oh, this is perfect. As a thank you for saving me from the curse, I offer you my hand in marriage. <laughs> Bean's eyes went wide for a moment as she reeled from the stranger's unexpected proposal. Then slowly, inextricably, started pushing Lucy, and therefore the gravel glaive, down, <laughs> and down, and down into the man's chest. <laughs> The former gravel man gurgled as he died. <laughs> Bean, Lucy, and Elfo stood, leaving the blade in the dead prince's chest. I'm so proud, said Lucy. <laughs> Is the ale still gravel? Bean asked the room. The remaining farmer peered into her tankard and said, Yep. All right, said Bean. Let's get the hell out of here. The end. <laughs> all right uh, two stories before we get to the discussion here eric I, I do have to point out that plagiarism is a serious crime if you're not actually representing your own work i'm just giving you an opportunity right now to come clean did you have any assistance writing that story any any other sham fiction personalities uh look i mean i the writing the writing is all mine Marcus. Uh -huh. the writing uh -huh. is all mine 
I, I may have asked for some help in the performance that I didn't warn you about beforehand, but uh, uh, that that that's all I got to say. Okay, I, you know, I I I, uh, I appreciate that you wanted to have the authentic gravel experience in your story. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's, that's look in this episode. I will be credited as myself. Yep. He's 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 got it. Thank you. Thank you, Gravelman. Gravelman, no I, I do I do have to ask, was that a fair representation of a gravel person? Was that offensive in any way, or did you feel like you were well well portrayed here? It was wildly offensive. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but that is okay. It is uh it just comes with the territory, you see. Yeah, yeah. Eric, Eric, that's a good point. You never ask Gravel Man to play a non-Gravel character in your stories. Well, I think it's the voice. You know, he's—I uh, hate to typecast you, Gravel Man, but I mean, it's—it's kind of you know, there it is. You are what you are, Gravel Man. I thought about casting you as King Zog in my story. I should have oh, asked. That would have been a juicy part. <laughs> Good. You should have done it. Maybe next time you should uh, ask Gravel Man. Yeah, when I need the Gravel voice. Base. Yeah, exactly. Whenever we will launch the uh, Sham Fiction Patreon, we can have a tier for Gravel Man rereading stories. <laughs> <laughs> Entire stories read by Gravel Man. Yeah. I like that idea. Uh, That's fantastic. <laughs> welcome to a quiet place as read by Gravel Man. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Uh, <laughs> the dog's back alright well Eric you've talked enough for a while Andrew let's hear about your process a bit here uh, I noticed again that you were bringing in a little bit of outside influence into your yeah. story uh, from a couple of sources maybe <laughs> you can talk about that process the uh, Don Cryer and the <laughs> baking competition yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to talk about how uh, it went in writing this story. It was fun. I uh, So as the story hints at, uh, I have been watching a lot of the Great British Baking Show <laughs> on Netflix. Yeah. And I just got the idea that I, liked the, I, I was going to set a baking show in the world of disenchantment. So I decided to do that and kind of structure my, show, or my short around that. Um, cause, and I just couldn't shake it when I got the idea. So <laughs> that was my idea from the beginning, the, the first and only idea I had. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to do, and I'll be interested to hear, um, what you thought. I thought your reactions from your reactions. I thought you guys, yeah, I was, I was nailing it pretty well. And I tried to make sure that like every, like maybe not paragraph, but like at least every two paragraphs, there was some sort of joke in some fashion, whether it was a play on words or an actual joke or just a funny line or a funny action. I tried to put as much jokes into this as possible um, while also, you know, having an actual story, hanging an actual story on it. So those were my goals with, with this one. All right. What was the most challenging part of the writing? Um, it was tough to really uh, hammer down an arc for this, um, sure. and I'll be interested to hear what you guys thought of it, um, because it's definitely pretty light, um, but you know, as I was writing it, I knew where I wanted it to end, and I knew where I wanted it to begin, but I wasn't exactly sure how to do the middle, and mm. so I just kind of cut the middle out, <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you just see the very beginning and the very end of the action, um, but 
uh, yeah, so it was, a, it was a bit tough to structure um, when I was, you know, trying to balance that and the, the more joke-heavy stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, that can interesting. be a, a challenge. I'll be interested. That'll be a good topic for a discussion uh, when we've moved into our post-rating chat. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, for our international listeners, the Great British Baking Show is none other than the Great British Bake Off when it's yes, aired in the United States on PBS, our public broadcasting system. Yeah, they changed uh, the name. Changed the title. I don't know. Maybe Americans can't understand the concept of a bake off. Do you know why? Uh, I can actually tell you why. Oh my gosh! Please. Uh, Because I believe it is. It's. It's either like I think it's Pillsbury, or maybe um, uh, was it uh, General Mills? General Mills. I think it's General Mills actually. Or Betty Crocker. uh, One of those owns one of those Minnesota companies owns the rights to the term bake-off they've trademarked the term bake-off oh like it's a registered trademark so when they brought it uh the great british bake-off to this country they could not call it that ah Uh, because of legal reasons okay general mills went through a lot in the war so it's a small price to pay for his service (laughs) General Mills. <laughs> uh, that was yeah. a good salute, Andrew. Yeah. So yeah. So watch the Great British Baking Show. I mean, after you watch Disenchantment, watch the Great British Baking Show. It's also on Netflix. It's almost like we should be getting paid by Netflix for all this endorsement. Yeah. No uh, kidding. Come on. <laughs> Next time I'll be pitching the Dragon Prince. All right, uh, Eric. <laughs> Netflix original series. Tell us a little bit about your process, your challenge in writing this. I'm interested if you had the same problems Andrew did, if you had different challenges. Uh, you know, I I did have um, I did have some trouble with this. I think it was not so much um, a problem with the property and trying to figure out what to do. It was kind of a um, just like behind the scenes of this whole thing. It had been a while since we have written one of these, like. I think between our last episode that aired to this one, we spent over a month. Like, we had over a month off. Um, And it was really hard for me to get back into the process of writing regularly and sitting down and actually getting something done. So I just had trouble concentrating on this. I It didn't take me too long to figure out, like, what the story was. Like, what I wanted it to be, like, they go to a bar, Gravel Man's going to be there, um, and then, like, I had a couple of images in mind that I wanted, like, I knew that I wanted Bean to be drinking gravel, like, it, it seemed like a very Futurama-esque joke to me, to have a character, like, drinking something, like, oh, God, this is rocks, but then they just keep drinking it, because it's the <laughs> drink in front of them. Yeah. So that image was stuck in my mind. And then this other image of stabbing Gravel Man to turn him into a human, but then continuing to stab him because he was a prince. Like, that was, like, this funny turn to me. And, like, I I had those pieces in mind, and it was a process of trying to figure out how to put a story together together to make those things happen and then actually sit down and get the writing done so i struggled through the process of actually putting this onto a page and i don't know how successful i actually was achieving the little the little small goals that i had sure what was uh you know as you were ramping back into this would you say this took a lot longer to actually get the pros out or was it about on par with your 
traditional writing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the process took me like three attempts, like three uh, sit downs at a computer. So the first time I sat down at a computer was like getting just some ideas out. Second time was starting to write, but getting discouraged and not knowing what to do and getting frustrated and leaving. And then the third time actually like kind of going back through and finishing it up and, and doing, doing the majority of the work. So it took a while. Gotcha. Did you feel better by the end of it, like you're about ready to jump into the next thing? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Woof. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, this has been a lot of chat before we get to the verdict, and I'm sure you're wondering who wins this week. So I think it is time to do a Zog-like decision. Executioner, please stand by. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. Anyone, remember, who is not the winner will be executed. The persons who wrote Disenchantment best were the creators, Matt Groening and Josh Weinstein. I'm very sorry, Andrew and Eric. Oh, no! Oh, oh gosh, we're both going to die. We're going to die. I knew it was going to end man, you get a way. pass. You just oh, performed. good. I'd like to watch this. Uh, <laughs> He's just going to watch us die. It'll just be Gravel Man and I. <laughs> Uh, all right uh yes i do have to give props to them for creating disenchantment and setting up this world which we were able to play in a little bit through our writing game of telephone the least loser amongst us is andrew neil well done mr neil yay it was it was a close one uh i I enjoyed both of these stories, and they're both things about the Disenchantment franchise that you both got very, very right. Uh, Eric, you really hit the Lucy character spot on. I just felt like uh, that was all stuff Lucy would do and say. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that he just like whisper in the ear. Yeah, like it's it's uh, sure he does some chaos things, but he is mostly. Just the buddy who's going to encourage you to do all the bad things in the world uh, repeatedly ad nauseum. <laughs> so, very fun there. Andrew, you get a lot of credit for the King's portrayal. <laughs> I really <laughs> enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> you did a good Elfo. You know, Elfo actually does make candy in his woodland. Uh, so, it's like that is the first time we see Elfo as he's making candy. So, the Baking extension was very good. Uh, really enjoyed the joke about Don Cryer as John Cryer and two and a half men. Yeah, yeah. That just, like, I wanted, and I thought of that, it's like bad puns, yeah. you know? And also, like, star cameos. That's such a Simpsons thing, I know. So I was thinking <laughs> in, that, in that realm there. Felt like that would fit in quite well. Uh, I also give you a lot of credit for coming out with a pretty clean story structure. So when you were telling your story, I felt like I could see this as an episode. You know, I'm starting to see act breaks there. And the way that you set it up from a sort of fun opening where, okay, this is going to be a parody to suddenly introducing the... Uh, so like that that may be your uh, pre-credits, your cold open, what have you, to introducing the notion that, oh, by the way, people get killed if they don't win. Uh, yeah. Upping the stakes there. 
And then you have the Act 2 downturn where we find out that the food is so terrible, um, which brings us into Act 3 where we get to have that pleasant reversal that the callback to the king not having taste buds makes this the perfect treat for him. Yeah. So Thank you. I'm glad it worked. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed Lucy, although not as accurate a portrayal as Eric's to the source material. Okay. Uh, hysterical, bring the cake to life, and then having to kill it. Just that, <laughs> like, the, the bleakness of this fantasy world was very amusing to me. Uh, so, well of, done of in, in my story or in the show itself? In both. Okay. I mean, just those, I, I those got types that. of things. Yeah. I kind of got that from your description. So there's, I, there's a lot of dark, like, things getting killed or you know the dragons wanting to die and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of death in the story and that was a by design it seemed like a pretty terrible world yeah oh the dragon thing was brilliant (laughs) so very well done andrew you win star writer this (gasps) week star writer i'm gonna call my mom and tell her (laughs) uh and eric yeah, hi. About your story uh, had a hysterical opening, so I felt like the the beginning was so so funny and so very in that Matt Groening style, like you said, with Futurama or um, I'm really more Futurama than anything with the the gravel yeah. appearing and the drinking gravel. Although that's something Homer would do, right? Like that's very <laughs> yeah, man, just stubborn, stubbornly stupid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, where ultimately you lose some points as the sham fiction of this is you ended up writing a pretty balanced fantasy short, right? So you got very into the the plot and the mechanics of it, yeah, which I enjoy as a fantasy fan, but we lost some of the momentum in the middle, uh, some of the humor as we were working through the mystery of it and mm-hmm. just diving into the rules. Um, yeah, agreed. I, I, I think you, you, you nailed it. You got exactly <laughs> my problem with it as well. That trying to like create a, a complete story, I got too worried about the details and, uh, and forgot about the fun for a little while. It was really hard to balance those two elements for me. Yeah, I, and I, I can see that. And I think one of the things that maybe limited you here too is you kept it all in just one moment. So you had a plot that could have lasted a whole episode, mm-hmm. but you know this is a TV show. It's a cartoon. There's unlimited budget. I would have loved to see you cut to a scene where they're bringing the gravel glaive to Sorcerio, or to sure. you know just sort of expand that universe so you're not bogged down in the plot of it. You're just hitting the must-hit beats, mm-hmm. and you're using those setups for comedy. Um, so I think you got hurt by staying there in the bar sure makes sense but still very enjoyable the lord of the rings thing just killed me oh god that (laughs) was the best reveal as it was the reveal of gravel man and yes Um, gravel man the 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 reveals there were so great um 
And I'll also commend you for the visuals because you said that that was something that you hit on early and something that you really wanted to um, do. That's what you wanted to get across in this piece. And there were some very strong visual elements. All of the gravel, people being turned into gravel. I really liked how you described when the, I think it was the bartender turned because he, you know, he's in the shape and then he turns into dust. Like that is such a cartoon moment you know i can see that happen um and there were there were a few moments like that that uh i i I never was at a loss of what where everybody was and what was happening but i will agree that um the middle of this piece uh did did get a little slow yeah and which which i guess brings up too what you were talking about andrew that um you were having issues with the middle of your piece and your solution was just to cut it out like you went straight from the your beginning, your setup, you kind of cut out the middle and you went straight to the end, which I think was super effective. Like, I don't know what the middle was supposed to be, but like just going from starting the process to finishing the process felt like perfectly cartoony, felt perfectly Simpsons or Futurama. Like I, I felt that it just fit. And I'm glad you did what you did. I'm glad. I'm glad that that worked. Um, I will ask... Uh, so the, the middle of my piece kind of has these tangents. And again, and I, I kind of knew as I was writing them that they felt a little like tangents. And I want to hear from you if it worked. And that was one, yeah, the dragon story. Mm-hmm. And then also Lucy fuggling with other people. And those were like kind of things that I felt like, man, I could probably cut either of these things out and it would be just fine. But I don't know. It was just, the, again, trying to layer in jokes and and I wanted to add in those extra funny bits. I would say the dragon is a very typical sort of cutaway that you'd see in an animated show like this, or just a, a visual gag that you had to explode in the prose to make it have the same impact. So visually, I got how that joke would be presented on Disenchantment, and then yeah. the way that you told it sold it through, right? So you can't just see all these young dragons and then... Elfo prodding an old dragon to squeeze out flame. Mm -hmm. But you can tell us that in a a way that paints that picture in a different medium. That's such a hard thing, too. So it's very impressive that you managed to balance that out because, like, you can picture how this thing, how this, uh, this action is going to work on screen in a cartoon, but to actually take the time to, like, explain visually what's going on. It, yeah. it, like it slows down the whole process and so there's like a fine balance somewhere in there between taking too much time to explain it and you know and just letting it fly by without anybody knowing what's going on and you you manage to thread the needle there i will say though that there was a bit of inconsistency in my experience on that so when you got to that moment you utilized the voice of the narrator more so this wasn't a closely limited third-person story, uh, that bit read to me a bit more like a Douglas Adams explains the universe thing, Yeah, which I really enjoy. But I felt that the prose here was not as consistent throughout, right? You're using a number of different techniques, and sometimes you're just reporting on the details, sometimes you're adding flavor through the prose. So it was a situation where I think you could have made a stronger choice into what the whole flavor of the text would be. My conscious, what I was going for, 
was omniscient. Yeah. Like, that Douglas threw out the most. But I, I know what you mean with such a short piece. Elfo's perspective is the one that you get the most. Um, I, 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 at least that's, the, I, like, I mean, is that what you kind of got? Or was it just so inconsistent that you couldn't really tell? I, yeah, I mean, because Elfo's doing the most stuff. Um, we definitely see more of Elfo, and I understand that it was omniscient. But then, the, again, that the moment with the dragons was such a narrator uh type piece right where we're yeah. getting into okay. the dragon's point of view but you're telling it to us like you're a character like you're someone else like you're a narrator it's not limited yeah. to the dragon's perspective at that point it is just hey here's a funny thing about this dragon yeah um okay no that's fair I, I i i i yeah no that's absolutely fair um no it's tough to do those visual gags uh in in prose yeah the dragon bit was it was a tough bit to sort out the other one was the uh the taster gag like because like that's mm-hmm. something that you know you could just see these guys coming in and eating something and dying and another one comes in eats <laughs> dies you know and and that was a hard thing to get you know like as i spent a bit of time trying to get that description right because i was like how can i do this and still maintain it being funny you know without it just being overly descriptive yeah yeah i i uh, i think you did well there i can see exactly how that would play out uh i would lastly say just it would have been nice to see more of bean um the romance especially between elfo and bean was not tied closely enough into your plot so when it comes at the end of the story hey i have this moment in the face of the person that i love that's not the payoff to the story that you've been telling. If you had intertwined those things, so if Elfo's first thought when he finds out he's going to die is, hey, I'm not going to ever have a chance with Tia Bini, or I was only doing this to impress her so I could earn my way into the castle and spend more time with her, any of those types of things would have helped balance that dual thread so that the conclusion would have really benefited from that moment you had at the end. Sure. No, I get that. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and Eric, uh, mm-hmm. I will say the other funny thing about this piece sort of sagging in the, the middle of that action is that's a concern I have with the show Disenchantment. Uh, and I've even seen it in a few of the reviews is that hmm. they will just get into these action sequences and, you know, they just kind of go. <laughs> uh, sure. It got a bit better as the show went on, but it's the low point in those episodes when they have an extended action sequence because it's not thrilling enough to be yeah. really engaging mm-hmm. but they take a lot of time with it and it's not funny enough to be a spoof of sure. the action scenes so it's like even though there's action going on it still slows down the story because it's not accomplishing anything necessarily like story-wise yeah it's just like you know, it's it's functional action. I understand why you have action in this sort of thing, and it's key to the genre. But uh, in the show, I, I feel like they've spent too long on that. And sure. if you were to not have the Netflix timeline, if you mm-hmm. had to have a tight 22, I think it would actually help the show in removing some of those bits that they wouldn't keep in if they had to make a choice, this or that. Uh, are, the, uh, are the episodes a bit longer than your standard 22? Yeah, yeah, they can be 25, 26, 27. Oh, okay, you know. gotcha. So there's just like, there's no urge to like, hey, let's cut out this bit. Exactly. Because they can just deliver whatever length they want. Yep. That's interesting. Well, I'm still uh, I'm still very excited to check this out. This sounds like such a fun property and right up my alley. 
Yeah, I hope you enjoy it. I, I liked it quite a bit. I think that it's a work in progress. It definitely improves as you're going throughout the season. Cool. And that arc of the, you know, what what is the king doing with the Elf's blood? Who are the people who sent Lucy to Bean? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mystery there. You get some payoff in the finale, and I know there's a second half of the season coming out, oh. and there will be more that I'm eager to see the resolution on. Sure. Uh, but I I do recommend this show, even if I can't say it's at the heights of Futurama. And the Simpsons is probably the greatest show uh, <laughs> it's been done in Period. the American animated format. <laughs> uh, sure. But yeah, they're on season thirty. I just watched the season thirty premiere today. Oh wow! And oh wow! They uh, almost it, as old as I am. Yeah, exactly. It came out actually the same year I was born. How about that? Oh, how about that? All right, future employers. <laughs> now you know my age. You cannot discriminate against me. It's a, <laughs> a protected status. All right. Well, any last words, gentlemen? I enjoyed both of your stories. Congratulations again to Star Baker, Andrew Neal. Oh, thank Star you very Baker, much. Andrew Neal. I, yeah. I appreciate that. And Eric, I will say I enjoyed your story. The reveal of the Gravel Man is one of the most pleasing things to me. <laughs> Yes, I was so excited when that was building up to that, and I think you were, there was a lot of real strong creativity in that piece, playing around with the the gravel magic. I I just I thought there was some really beautiful visuals, but also just some really thoughtful uh, fantasy elements. So bravo, sir, good work. Gravel man always aims to please. Oh, yep, <laughs> taking credit, taking credit, this guy over here. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I had some struggles with this one. I'm glad some of these, some of the elements came through that I was most proud of. Um, but you and your story were definitely, definitely deserved that win. You wrote, um, something that was fun. It was light. It, and it felt like it, it was like perfect in tone as far as like balancing that darkness with that humor and that lightness. Um, cause you have this fun, silly competition, you know, baking show and yet the losers are sentenced to death. It's like, <laughs> that's just right there in the premise you nailed. I feel like what this is supposed to be. I haven't seen the show, but it, yet it feels spot on. So you, you did such a good thing and it made me very happy and it was very funny and, uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Hey, I like that. That's oh, good. Well. well, I'm going to go watch this show on Netflix. Watch the, the streaming show on service. Watch the Great British Baking Show slash Bake Off on Netflix. Uh, yes. What else can they watch on Netflix? Oh, wait. Actually, I forgot. You didn't include Mel or Sue in your piece, Andrew. Uh, oh, I'm taking I away know. your star baker, uh, Eric. Oh. <laughs> uh, my, still a my favorite uh, Mel and Sue hosting. Oh, they're great. They're great. There's no Paul Hollywood or Mary Berry. Yeah, Andrew, you're going to have to rewrite this and send it to me. It was really hard not to include Paul Hollywood and Mary Berry, especially. They're my, they're my favorites. I mean, I love Sue and Mel, but yeah. I, I, I do love me some Paul Hollywood. <laughs> Can we just start our third podcast after Ham Fiction Season Duel? Um, <laughs> Where we so second podcast, yep. Third podcast where we just recap Great British Baking Show. Yes, oh, I, I think would a be weekly. 
Oh. I would be a hundred percent down for that. That'd be amazing. I actually uh. baked something after watching that show. Baked what did pretzels. you bake? What did you bake? Soft pretzels this last week. You did. Yeah. That's great. Did you actually use yeast and let it rise and everything? Yeah, man. Oh wow. man, I'm proud of you. I proved it. Turn out. Woof. <laughs> it was real good too. Uh, I, I remember. I think good. was it ruby on the show was saying like i've never i've only eaten a pretzel once uh, one of the contestants i was like sounds like not American. i remember yeah. that and yeah. i thought that was really weird it's also like whenever they bring up the, there's one time i know we're getting off on a british bank off tangent and this episode is already very long. people turned this off ages ago it's like netflix but, we don't have a yeah, strict time so limit. whatever the people that are still listening you get it so you're okay with me doing this um when it was in an early season, someone uses peanut butter and chocolate in something. And oh, peanut butter, chocolate, and, and and jelly. There's peanut butter and jelly. And Paul and Mary are like, How will that ever work? And I'm just like, <laughs> What? <laughs> what is this? What are you talking about? <laughs> what Obviously, planet the are you don't from? like peanut butter. Yeah, exactly. It's like, where, what, what is this? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. I love it. I love it. Watch it. And disenchantment, right. of course. All right, audience. We'll see you next week on see you uh, next time. on the Great British Bake Off <laughs> Recap. Recap. Two With jackets Champagne. recaps. <laughs> Send us your suggestions for the title at Great British Bake Off at Shamfiction.com. <laughs> Get that going. Maybe we'll do another Patreon item. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's All right. do it. Okay, bye bye. Until next time, you Good can't night. beat the dredge. Their PR energy. Woof. Later. <laughs> <laughs>